just want to say again, welcome to all of you that are watching online. My name is Mike Schroeder, and I serve as uh, part of the pastoral team here in the church. I'm honored to be uh, serving the Lord with our lead pastors, Pastor Tanya and Pastor Matt. My wife, Ev, is in the building here somewhere. She's the one who shared that word earlier. Uh, there's been so such an enriching time already. I almost feel like I don't need to preach, but I'm going to anyway. We're in the middle of this awesome uh, sermon series in the book of James, and our intention is to get through the entire book through the summer. And uh, we're just starting chapter two, so we're going to have to kind of move fast the rest of the summer, but we're just starting uh, chapter two today, and we're going to be reading in a few moments, and my, I have some readers lined up that are going to be helping me, but not yet. So I just wanted to sort of review a little bit about uh, the book of James and the fact that it's one of those books that is a little controversial. It's a little bit uh, tough to understand sometimes in the, in the context of the grace of God. Uh, there's a scripture that we've used as, as our uh, sort of our theme scripture in chapter 2 and verse 26. It says this, for as the body without the spirit is dead, and uh, spirit is, is something that's your inner life, and sometimes the word spirit actually means breath, so you could take it either way. And so you have, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. And the, the haunting, challenging question that Pastor Matt has uh, set forth as the, the question of this series is this, what is the evidence of faith in your life? Now faith is very personal and faith is something that only is between you and God, no doubt. But yet there's something about faith that expresses itself and what is the evidence of faith in your life? There's a great quote from John Calvin. He's one of the great reformers uh, that helped the church make a huge transition back in the day, and he said this way, he said that faith alone saves, but faith that saves is not alone. Now, I don't know what language he spoke. It wasn't English, but he did, so he didn't say that exactly, but it, that's what the translation is. And our faith is not alone. Faith has works. It's not just something quiet, just not something personal and uh, private, I should say. It's very personal. It's not really meant to be private. I think that's a better distinction. So uh, we, we're, this is the, the fifth sermon in the series of ten sermons from the book of James. We did an introduction, and then Pastor Matt has spoken so well, faith that endures, uh, faith and finances. Last week, faith to overcome temptation. Anybody uh, hear that message last week? I wasn't here, but I, I heard it online. You heard it? You heard yourself? He was talking to himself again. <laughs> and uh, it was a, an incredibly good message. You know, we have to tie our, our uh, strategies to the Word of God, not to human plans and human uh, positive thinking and so forth, but we need to have the Word of God at work in us. And so what I want to do in just a few minutes, I'm going to have people come up and, and we're, going to lead, we're going to go through uh, the first um, few verses, I think it's 13 verses here in, in this chapter, and then we're going to pray 
and I have four points. And the longest one is the last one. Okay, just so you know. So if, it, if you think, oh man, this is going fast. Well, don't think so fast, okay? All right, but we will be out of here by 2 o'clock, no problem. Probably a little earlier because I'll be hungry by then. So today we're going to be going through the first 13 verses of chapter 2. And the, the question about this particular sermon or the, this portion of Scripture is uh, it's going to be uh, faith, uh, sorry, faith and mercy is today. And uh, the question is, what is the evidence of faith in your life? And it's this, when you consider that your identity is one who is a receiver and giver of mercy. That is an evidence of faith in your life. And let me just explain that. I'm going to give my sermon uh, in a little different way. And so just in case you fall asleep, you'll at least get it right now. Okay? There's a lot of talk in the, in the world today about to, about two things. Uh, one is entitlement, and the other one is identity. You've heard those words if you've been paying attention out there, but the place that you'll find the truth is in the Word of God, and generally speaking, it's going to be in the context of a local church, and so here you are, and here you are online. Uh, so there's too many of us that believe ourselves to be entitled we're just, you know, we're all about the money. I mean, a lot of us uh, work full-time. We, we have to support our families. Uh, there's responsibilities that we have. And so a lot of our life is tied up with money. Some of us are responsible for all the shopping in the house. And we like to go and get this and get that. And, and you know, it's all about the money and commerce and the economy. And, you know, the politicians fight back and forth about the economy and, and money. And, there's a lot of entitlement, especially here in the first world. And uh, the first part of the, the sermon today is, is a little bit about that kind of attitude about entitlement and, and about money. And, this, and also, as you know, there's a lot of talk around identity. And uh, our identity, a lot of times out in the world, the voices that are out there is all tied to sexual attraction and to whom we're uh, attracted, and what, what's your uh, sexual gender identity. Well, I want to tell you that if you want to have a, be a person of faith, a person who follows Christ, that's not where you get your identity. Your identity is found in other places in Christ alone, and today we're emphasizing one part of that, and that is that we are a receiver and a giver of mercy. That is, that is, uh, that is the, uh, uh, the message in a nutshell, but we're going to read the scriptures. I'm going to ask my, my four readers to come up, if you would, please, real quick. One, two, three, four, go! Come on, run! <laughs> Thank you. We've got some, we've got some, uh, great, uh, some great people here. Now, I, what, what I want you to do is I want you to stand on his right. Okay, come over here. And I want you to say your name before you read the, script, the scriptures and say which verses you're going to read, if you would, please, okay? Graham, James chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, 
and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but say to the poor one, you stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Maria, um, James chapter 2, 5 to 8. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones, aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbors as yourself. Daniel, James 2, from 9 to 11. But if you favor some people of others, you are committed of sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all of the law except one of the guilt is a person who is, has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who say, you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. Mia, James 2, 12 and 13 in the New Living Translation. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Verse 13 in the New King James. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Thank you. Good job, readers. From all over the world. It's great. Let's just pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We believe in the Bible. Lord, we believe that the Bible is the word of God, the 66 books and, uh, that are part of the scriptures. Uh, we acknowledge that they are our standard for doctrine and practice. Lord, we thank you that we're a church that believes that and we walk in that. God, I pray that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that each one of us will have a, a moment, or perhaps more than one moment, of uh, enlightenment where we hear God speaking to us. And Lord, let us be people who not only hear your voice, but also obey your voice. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, this is a, a great passage of Scripture. And I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. I told you I have four points. And the first one is this. A receiver of mercy will not show favoritism. And that's basically because a receiver of mercy realizes that without God's mercy, he's hooped. Without God's mercy, we're in trouble. We all need God's mercy. And it, every one of us. And if we don't realize that, the, the problem with that is, is that we don't understand the truth. The truth is that we are in need of God's mercy. 
And in verse 1, it says that if you have respect of persons, you shouldn't, you shouldn't consider yourself uh, to, to be a person of faith. Because a person of faith, a person of faith, a receiver of mercy, will not show favoritism. So having respect of persons, here's a definition for you, pandering to someone because he is rich or influential or popular or maybe good-looking. Yeah, I know it's really hard for you not to pander me because I'm so good-looking, but haha, uh, -ha, just a joke. It's a joke, people. But, you know, I'm here to be, you know, your, your biggest problem. So, no, just kidding. But in Romans, it's very clear, Romans chapter 2 and verse 11, it says this, God does not show favoritism. You may feel like you're on the outside looking in. That might be how you feel, and it matters to me and to God how you feel. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. The truth is, is that we are all recipients of God's mercy. You may feel like you need a lot more mercy, you know, than Pastor Matt does. Fair enough. Maybe you do. Maybe I do. But that's okay. There's enough mercy to go around so that every person will be able to say, I am a recipient, I am a receiver of mercy, and in turn I'm going to be a giver of mercy, which is one of my later points. Uh, but we're not going to go there yet. I, I was quite interested by this scripture in Leviticus. It's a little counterintuitive, especially in, in sort of our, our political world in which we live now in North America. But look what it says. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor. Interesting. This isn't my word. This is God's word. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Uh, that, that's very interesting, but there is no, there is no favoritism. A receiver of mercy will not show favoritism. I want to take time to share a, a quote to you with you from William Barclay, who uh, wrote a series of books called the Daily Study Bible. It's a, it's a number of volumes from the New Testament. It's a great, uh, great commentary series. It says this, there can, no, there can be no distinctions of rank and prestige when men meet in the presence of the King of Glory. Wow. There can be no distinctions of merit when men meet in the presence of the supreme holiness of God. In His presence, all earthly distinctions are less than the dust, and all earthly righteousness is as filthy rags. In the presence of God, all men are one. All people, of course, this was written before we were paying attention to those kinds of things. It's meant to be inclusive uh, of women and men. And here we have this awesome place here in the church where we gather together like this morning and we experience God's presence and we all receive God's presence and we're all united in God's presence because we all receive God's mercy, every one of us. I love this uh, This. This is the first verse of a, of a song that was written by Paul Balash and, and Brian Dirksen. And uh, it's a beautiful song that 
was, was new to me long after it was written, actually, even though I know a lot of Brian Dirksen's songs. We've sung a lot of them over the years. But it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, line here or portion. Welcome to the place of level ground. Welcome to the place where grace abounds. We all need mercy. We all need mercy. We, we need to see ourselves as someone who is a recipient of mercy. And so then if we see someone who's somewhat, somewhat great or maybe famous, maybe wealthy, uh, wealthy is just, a, you know, it's just a, a comparative word, I guess you could say. Every one of us with hot running water in our homes is wealthy by world standards, but we don't always see ourselves that way. Uh, but anyway, here we are in a, in a blessed place, and we can look at one another and just see each other as equals and treat each other as equals. And if someone feels like they're better than me for some reason, that isn't my problem. And I don't want to pander to them. And I don't want to pander to someone just because they, they have maybe less than me and, and you know, look, look down upon them. But we all are in this place of level ground. That's the most beautiful thing. Sorry, one of the most beautiful things about having communion together. And we're planning, God willing, to do that next week, have communion together. It's the great level playing field on which we all function. And that is, by the grace of God, we stand through the cross of Jesus Christ. Come on, anybody want to say amen to that? You want to nod? At least nod if you're with me on that. People don't always like to raise their hands in church. They're afraid they're going to get called upon for something. No, I'm not going to call on you. But you know what? We need to understand that we are all receivers of God's mercy. And a receiver of God's mercy will not have favoritism. That's number one. Number two, a receiver of mercy will have a kingdom concept of poverty and riches. A kingdom concept of poverty and riches. And this particular uh, chapter includes these verses. Did not God, did God not choose those who are poor in the world's valuation to be rich because of their faith and be heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him. I, I, I think, is that, is that up there? Yes. I, I think what we should do here is we should, I, I'm just going to just change it up just a little bit so you'll have to let me go ahead and do it first. Uh, okay, so I am rich because of my faith. I am rich because of my faith. Can we say that? I am rich because of my faith. Some of you didn't say that. Do I want me to bring the microphone down? Just kidding. Okay. And I am rich. No, I am an heir of the kingdom. I am an heir of the kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. I have those who are receivers of mercy understand that they are rich. Come on. They have a new understanding a kingdom mindset all around the issues of poverty and riches. Jesus says, listen, God has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. We were all poor. We were poor because we did not know God. You could have a kajillion dollars in the bank and be poor if you don't know Jesus. Anyone believe that? Come on. 
Those who are receivers of mercy have a kingdom concept of wealth and poverty. Those who are receivers of mercy will not show favoritism. Those who are receivers of mercy hold a, a kingdom mindset uh, with regard to uh, poverty and riches. Number three, a receiver of mercy will understand the royal law. And I'm going to tell you about that picture in a minute. I hope you can see it online. Uh, to, you know, the royal law is explained here, and it's very interesting. It, it, you know what royal law means? It, it means royal. Royal, I looked it up. It means royal. Okay, just, you know, these are not complicated things. I could, it's so simple, even I can get it sometimes. So here we are. To love our neighbor as ourselves is the royal law. That is the, the it is the, the regal law. It is the law which is of supreme excellence. The, the law, the first, or the, the, the second of, of the great commands is to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the royal law. And uh, the, the laws, we don't talk a lot about laws. We talk a lot about mercy and grace, and we are going to be talking about mercy some more. But it's all in the context of the fact that there is, uh, there is such a thing as a law. There's a lawgiver, and that is Almighty God. And, and He's the Lord, and I'm not. And uh, uh, the, that, is, that is the fact that there are laws that need to be obeyed. Uh, the whole law, the entire law, is the will of God. To break any part of it is to infringe on that will and therefore be guilty of sin. Now verse 10, I believe, is up there. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. So the guilt is pretty much settled. And in Romans, is it 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we find ourselves in a position where we see ourselves as a receiver of mercy. And a receiver of mercy will understand the royal law, which is to love. The royal law, which is to love, that covers, that really covers the, the full gamut. Loving God and loving others is, the, is the, the Ten Commandments. The first four are all about loving God, and the last six are all about loving others. Number five is a little sneaky because it's actually both because God set families in order and parents to be in order over there and, and to care for and have, uh, and, and have authority in the home. Uh, however, I want to just explain why this guy with the... Uh, may, maybe you already understand and know where I'm going with this photo. But the, the picture is this. Okay, that... I wish I could find a picture, and I, you know, I didn't spend hours online, but I did look, and I, I, found, I found someone with a white shirt that had a stain on it. Now, this shirt is wrinkled. It would have been nice if it was crisp, and I was actually looking for one that had a button-down collar, but it didn't, hap didn't happen. But just imagine that that shirt is really, really crisp and well. It's not, it's not wrinkled, and it's really cool-looking, and it's a great shirt. Now, if you look at the back of that guy, chances are you'll find this beautiful white shirt. It's, it's white. And then most of that, we really don't even notice, barely, we barely notice that it's a white shirt. We look at the stain. 
And, you know, the white shirt might represent obedience to all of the laws, and that stain would represent crossing one of them. You know, pick, pick the one that you find least annoying, maybe, maybe covetousness because it's all hidden within. Okay, so, you know, that's, that's not such a bad sin. It's like the verse 1 of chapter 2. That's what, you know, covetousness, you, you let the rich have a, a spot and let the poor sit in the back. That, you know, covetousness actually covers that. Uh, but so you've, you've got this person, not the guy in the picture, but you've got this, it, it, it represents a person who might have everything looking good on the outside except one thing. And then all we, all we see, all we see is that one stain. And that guy not the guy in the picture, but the one who has the one stain, even though the rest of the shirt is good, looks fine, looks like my shirt, <laughs> you know, at the back. But we all receive and need to receive mercy. Every one of us. And that stain's not going anywhere. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it might be hard to get out if he doesn't hurry. <laughs> and, and so the, the, person, the person who is a receiver of mercy will understand the royal law, will understand that he's under the law, understand that he needs to obey God and love one another. So a receiver of mercy will not show favoritism. A receiver of mercy will understand the kingdom concepts of, of wealth and poverty. A, per, a receiver of mercy will understand the royal law. And last but not least, a receiver of mercy will live a life of mercy. In turn, you know, freely you have received mercy. Freely you need to give mercy. And mercy, I didn't define it earlier. One way of understanding mercy is that I, that notion is that a person who has power and ability to punish, whether it's the government punishing in a court system, or even if it's like a, you know, a bully uh, having power over someone who is bullied, Letting them off in that concept is mercy. And so, really, it's this. Not getting what we deserve. Understanding that we deserve the worst, but God has blessed us with the best. That's a person who understands mercy. And as we are receivers of mercy, then we can, in that context, we have wealth we have something to give away, and we can be merciful to others. We can show mercy. We can show kindness. We don't even have to feel like it because it's not our mercy in the first place. We got our mercy from God, and we give it away to someone else. A receiver of mercy is someone who lives a life of mercy or being merciful. Now, in verse, uh, verse 12, it says this, so speak and so act so speak and so act as those who are going to be judged under the law of freedom or liberty. For he who acts without mercy will have judgment without mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, uh, that's the last part of the portion that we're looking at. I wanted to just mention that this phrase, law of liberty or law of freedom, is found in the book of James in chapter 1. And it says in verse 25, if you look carefully into the perfect law of liberty, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, 
then God will bless you for doing it. So you've got this blessing from obeying the law of liberty, which is to not show favoritism, to understand wealth and uh, poverty, to understand the, 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 um, the royal law, and, and also to show mercy. But if you don't, if you don't, back here in chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, if you, if you don't have mercy, verse 13, if you don't act with mercy, you will have judgment without mercy. Now, I have to be honest. I don't understand everything about final judgment. I do believe that it's going to happen. And there will be a judgment. Jesus talked about judgment and judging for what you do and don't do. We aren't saved on that basis. But there's something about the future where we will account for our actions. Anyone believe that besides me? We will give account somehow, some way. I don't, I don't understand it. I know one thing. Without Jesus, I'm already dead. I'm, I'm in trouble. Okay? I'm hopeless without Jesus. Like, you might not know me well enough to realize that, but, man, I, you know, I just really needed a Savior. I just really needed a Savior. Come on. Anybody with me? Anyone a recipient of God's mercy here? We need Jesus, and we need mercy. Mercy is what we need. But look at this, look at this scripture, Jesus in the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Okay, I want more mercy. I guess I got something to do here. I, I, I got an action plan. Okay, a, 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 a way to get more mercy is to be merciful. Now, you and I probably memorized the, uh, the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. How am I doing so far? Is that good? And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? And then it goes on to end. Now, there's only one comment or explanation or, or, or magnification that Jesus said from all of those wonderful thoughts in the Lord's Prayer, and that is this one. That is the next scripture here. If you forgive, this is Matthew 6, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now that, if you have a red print Bible, that's in red print. That means this is the words of Jesus. I don't understand all this because I know that if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive him of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I know that if I come to God, he will in no way cast me out. But he also said this. So all I know is, is I've got to be careful. I've got to know that I'm a person who is uh, coming from a concept, coming from a position, coming from uh, a, a place of being a person who's a receiver of mercy. I, I'm, not, I'm not in a position of, of real moral strength in that sense. I'm a person who really needed mercy. I got mercy, and I got to give it. I got to give mercy as well. That's what needs to happen in my life. You know, there's, a, there's an amazing uh, parable that I wanted to speak about, and I won't have time. So Matthew 18, verse 21 to 35 is where you'll find it. You can read it on your own time. Uh, but the first two verses that kind of led Jesus to tell this story of the parable of the unforgiving debtor 
Peter came to him, and he, Peter was starting to feel pretty good about himself. And he's starting to understand a few things about life and following Jesus. And he says, okay, Jesus, and, you know, how, how would it be? Should, if someone offends me, should I forgive them, you know, seven times? He's really feeling good about that, you know, because really, I mean, after one time, it's time, it's time for vengeance, right? <laughs> Jesus says, well, maybe not. How about this? How about 70 times 7? Another place that says 7 times in a day. In the same day, someone, you know, someone disses you or does something mean or bad, you know, steals your car or whatever comes back and repents, or says they repent, you forgive them, then they do it again, and then you forgive them, and I guess that's my alarm going off, I got to stop here. You forgive them again, and they come back and repent, and then you forgive them again, and now it's three, and you're, you're going, I don't know if I can do this. Jesus says, okay, seven times in one day. Anyways, we are the people who've let God down, and he's shown us mercy, we're the people who feel like we just don't have it all together, but we've received mercy. So we're in a place of riches, spiritual riches. We're, we're going to inherit heaven. We're strong. We're rich. We can do this because of the mercy of God. Because of the mercy of God, a receiver of mercy, will live a life of mercy. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. So there's, there's a slide coming up here, if I can get the next one. A receiver of mercy will not show favoritism. A receiver of mercy will have a kingdom concept of poverty and riches. A receiver of mercy will understand the royal law. And a receiver of mercy will live a life of mercy. What's the evidence of faith in my life? What's the evidence of faith in your life. It's when we consider that our identity to be one who is a receiver and a giver of mercy. What a great passage of Scripture. Amen. Lord, help us to live it out. I'm going to ask Pastor to come and, and uh, do whatever has to happen next. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mike. What a great word. Amen. Aren't we receivers today of the mercy of God? Aren't you grateful today for His mercy that was poured out for us so that we could come with confidence before Him? By the throne of God, we can come boldly before the throne of God due to His grace and mercy has been poured out towards us. And we have the opportunity, the great opportunity, to be givers of mercy to those around us. Amen? Amen. Can that be our challenge today? That we would walk in that? That we would be purveyors? That we would be people who show mercy? in our lives and show those around us the mercy of God. Amen. It's the heart of God. We've been forgiven much, and therefore we can forgive those around us much as well. Amen.